All right. Welcome to another episode of Cannabloggers Corner on the You Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andy Cannablogger. And this week, I am getting to chat once again with Scarlet Dream about her new single that just dropped this week called Trisk- Trixie. Sorry, Trixie Ray Gun. Uh, her new single, once again, is produced by her super talented producer, Bitsumishi, introduces us to Trixie and her thirst for just out-of-this-world adventures. You'll hear how the single grew from just kind of a throwaway idea into this dream pop thrill ride. Um, we also sat down and chatted about our musical interests, what we grew up listening to, and even how modern technology has impacted social dynamics. So, uh, yeah, we get kind of deep. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy Scarlet Dreams' Trixie Ray Gun on this episode of Cannabloggers Corner. As always, thank you to Chris Cantori and his You Podcast Network for just giving us this platform and letting us talk to you guys. Enjoy. Right here we are. Welcome back to uh, Scarlet Dream. Nice to have you back with us. Thanks. Nice to be here. All right. How you doing? I'm great. I'm chilling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a beautiful day out today. You know, can't can't complain at all. Mm, a little windy, but I like it like that. Definitely. Now, my my question since we last spoke is, are you having fun on this Sunday? <laughs> you can always have fun on a Sunday. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. I've been sitting on that all week. <laughs> I, I can't lie. <laughs> I had to respond with that. Otherwise, it just wouldn't have been right. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much. <laughs> so let's find out why we actually have Scarlett back on the show. You've got a new single out, correct? Correct. So tell me all about Trixie Ray Gunn. Uh, tell me about this this character, actually, that you've got in this song. Yeah, so the character of Trixie Ray Gunn is this alien babe who is a little bit lonely. She's a little bit sad and lost. And so she basically comes and grabs a human every once in a while to go on a fun adventure with her. And... Um, you know, I'm that lucky human this time, but, uh, Ooh, all right. <laughs> and the goal is, you know, to sort of transport the listener into this space adventure, you know, with us. And, um, it's just such a fun character, such a fun, like creative, um, idea and so I just ran with it um you know I have to shout out my friend Noah Chen who actually wrote the lyrics so all right yeah well uh definitely shout out to Noah Chen the, the lyrics are uh, a lot of the phrasing really really hit me like a uh, psychotropic alien Mm-hmm. I mean, just saying psychotropic in and of itself, you know, sends you into that kind of out there sort of other world, you know? Totally. I love that word. and uh, Yeah, I love all of the words he chose, you know, so wisely for it. And it really just like spoke to me. Um, we just have this really cool collaborative relationship where, you know, he's a great great writer and um at first he just thought of his things as poems you know yeah but now he's kind of getting more into the songwriting mindset and uh so you know he'll send me things he writes uh on a whim and yeah it's just really cool and then um the background track for Trixie Mm -hmm. um started as a whole other beast like it started as a totally different song that's how Um, it usually happens from what i understand in the industry (laughs) exactly yeah things just evolve and it's so cool to see like 
from the beginning of the song to what it became um it really it grew a lot and yeah so we originally had called the song yaki udon okay (laughs) because what happened was we were in the studio from like 4 p.m to like 3 or 4 a.m oh one of those sessions Yeah, Yeah. and that's where all the good, like, creative juices get flowing and the collaboration, and it's nice in the studio, and you can just knock out a few songs, you know, all in one session. And what happened was we ordered Chinese food, and uh, the yaki udon that one of my producers was eating fell onto his keyboard. Oh, no. And it didn't spill over, but just like the little plate of it kind of like it just hit the keyboard. And um, what happened was it created like this glitch with my vocals where every key on the keyboard became like a piece of the vocal. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so it became like this chopped up situation. Um, And I'll have to send you like what it started out as because it, because it was actually really cool. Um, and then we got rid of the vocal chops after we'd had some fun with them. <laughs> and uh, I had a whole other song I'd written for the background track. And I was like, you know, I don't really think the song is that great. And then um, I had the Trixie lyrics given to me and I was like, you know, these lyrics really deserve a melody that's catchy and once I can come up with that you know I'm ready to go and I realized that the lyrics fit perfectly on this track and um and once I had the chorus melody I was like you know ready to go yeah definitely I mean it, it does have like a little bit of a funk to it you know I really like the the, the hi-hat arrangement and then, uh, of course, the dream pop elements are all there. Um, and if you're not sure what I'm talking about for this episode, go back to our original episode. We talk all about dream pop and uh, the whole genre and, and uh, what your influences are. But uh, was aside from uh, the lyrics and the uh, the backing track that you already had, uh, do, what else uh, do you think uh, influenced this, this particular track? Um, I mean, as I've said before, I'm always into like that 80s vibe, you know, the nostalgia, but like feel good. And like, it was a simpler time. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you could say that. that. Yeah, you could say that. So, um, that was one influence. And then I've always, um, I'm really into extraterrestrials. Mm Mm-hmm on like a level where it's like I could talk for hours about it and um it's one of the subjects I'm like you know really passionate about just because I think it's so interesting and well so what do you see as really interesting about it you know let's touch on this why not sure um you know I would say like 99.99 percent of stuff out there on aliens it's like you know, questionable. Um, but then there's that 0.01% that, you know, I'm really, I love like weeding through the evidence and seeing, you know, what am I going to discern as potentially real and, you know, what looks like some random terrible VHS video that like someone shot and, you know, um, you didn't real. you didn't buy the whole alien autopsy video back in the 90s? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did buy some of uh, the military footage and, you know, things like that. I can neither confirm nor deny any of it. <laughs> no, really, that's what they tell us to say. Yeah, I know. There's contracts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we sign shit, so. <laughs> exactly. I watched there's this YouTube video of this CIA agent who's um on his like deathbed. He has like a few, you know, weeks left to live. And um he decided to do an interview and I'll send it to you. It's really fascinating. He talks about like being young in the military and then just being picked up to work at Area 51. Oh, wow. 
he talks about seeing live gray aliens, um, seeing someone interview one of them. And um, he basically explained that, you know, he had to sign a contract where for 50 years he wouldn't talk about it um, or, or they threatened his life and his family's lives. And then when 50 years was up, he was walking out of the grocery store and he gets thrown into like a black, you know, sedan. And they basically say, even though the contract's up, you still can't talk about it or we'll, you know, hurt your family. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there's so much, um, that's being covered up. And so, you know, it's hard to get to the truth because people are really scared into, you know, not talking about it. Um, and I'm really excited that, you know, now more governments and things are coming out with the information and it's being treated less as you're crazy if you believe in this or stupid to really being taken more seriously. There was a show on uh, History Channel for a while. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still on. Uh, It was within the last couple of years. Um, It was called Project Blue Book. and Love Project Blue Book. Okay, so yeah, you're familiar with it then. Uh, For Mm -hmm. those who aren't, it's basically about all the stuff from the Air Force, the Navy, all that stuff from back in the late 50s, early 60s that has just become declassified. Um, some of it got, is getting explained away, you know, others, you know, and, and you, with shows like this, you're never sure what's, you know, being over dramatized for, you know, drama's sake, or, you know, it's based on true stories based on these, these yep. accounts. So you don't really know what they're exaggerating, but right. like you said, you weed through it and you kind of see, well, okay, th- this, this could have happened. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Project Blue Book was real, and um, I can't say too much about this, but I have a friend whose dad was part of it. Okay, yeah, and yes, it was a real thing. This, this, they really did have this stuff from all these sightings uh, back in the day. Absolutely. Um, there's a few more documentaries I'll send your way um, that are interesting. You know, some I take with several grains of salt, and hmm. some, you know. I, I think are more, um, valid, but yeah. And then, um, I'm super interested in like early human civilizations and the potential that, you know, ETs brought us, um, all the knowledge that, you know, we sort of went forward with, um, Sumeria in particular is, Yeah, so that's where Iraq is, and it used to be, you know, called Mesopotamia, Mm -hmm. and um, Sumeria had existed before ancient Greece and Rome and had the first cuneiform alphabet, systems of law and education, and they had these... I believe it's the first recorded human civilization. Right, and they had these... um, basically images and depictions of what they call like living gods right. and, and they had sort of oblong heads and things and they came out of the sky from chariots. So it's interesting to think about how, you know, this idea of gods mm-hmm. could have really been early humans, you know, conceptualization of extraterrestrials. Right. Like saying that they came down from the sky in chariots, you know, you, you yeah thousands of years ago you don't have any concept of the word spacecraft or spaceship so yeah you're going to use what you know at the time to describe it uh there's a show on sci-fi right now with alan tudyk called resident alien and uh, it's basically a parody of all this stuff uh alan tudyk plays an alien who uh crashes in uh the colorado wilderness and uh has to blend in with the townsfolk while he tries to find pieces of his ship. And uh, he he he, he kind of gets outed, you know, there's there's a little accident. You know, he of course, he gets revealed for who he is. And he's like, oh, yeah, we, we've been coming here for thousands of years. You know, we've been kind of pointing you in certain directions, like with Stonehenge and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. But it, it's really neat uh, to see just how an alien culture sees the human race and how he tries to blend in and they're just like okay whatever he's just weird <laughs> yeah 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 like he's just got some issues 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just quirky, you know, kind of kind of like a Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> that sounds like a good show. I'll have to check it out. Alan Tudyk is one of my favorite actors. He's in just about everything, and I love him. He's hilarious. Um, and just the like I said, the way he, the way he is a human being mimicking an alien mimicking human behavior. It just mm-hmm. it, it kind of points and points a lens back at us and says, hey, you know, we're actually pretty freaking stupid. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I've got to do this and this and this to seem human. Right. Exactly. And that that's exactly what's he what he talks about. He's like, oh, uh, I, I have to respond this certain way or else they're going to realize I'm not one of them. So it and yeah, like it, it touches on how to fit in, you know, the, those cultural things that we that we have to do. Um, but back on on Trixie Raygun, it was it's kind of neat that I've listened to it several times and I listened to it a couple of times right before uh, we came on here too, just to get, you know, keep myself fresh with it. And it's like the the images that I get with it of um, this uh, this L.A. type uh, socialite, you know, and she's like you said, tempting, you know, guys or tempting people to, you know, come along with her on this wild ride. And then it's, you know, turning wheels into rocket fins. And I'm really sorry that she's spending all your money on that. I mean, but it sounds like a neat project. Exactly. It's worth it. (laughs) You know, and just this, you know, fabulous adventure that you're going on with this, you know, fascinating individual you know whether she is an alien from outer space or just one of these really fascinating people that you just just meet and you know one of those people that you instantly vibe with you know and she pulls up in this fancy car tells you to get in and it's like boom you're gone and it's it's a whirlwind you know whether you're literally out in space or just doing all these great you know awesome things that just really hit you deep in your soul and um that that element of science fiction goes into it you know and it's just again it's it's one of the top five on my sesh playlist you know <laughs> well thank you so much considering it's that. your fourth song and, and all the other three are in my top five you can see how my my sesh playlist is starting to round out here that's so sweet. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, I love your description. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, it's just I, I sit here, hotbox the garage and just, you know, try to try to get a feel of, of what you're trying to say in that song, you know, and I, I don't just listen to the words, although, you know, I, I usually listen to the words last. You know, I I try to, you know, listen to the music, try to get the feel of it. You know, I'll sit here, close my eyes. It's corny, I know, but you know, I'll I'll, I'll have my eyes closed and say, okay, what's she trying to get across? You know, how how is she trying to make me feel with this? And then you know, I'll, I'll get that vibe, get that emotion, and then then I'll go into the words. Then I'll listen to the lyrics and say, okay, what's the story she's trying to tell? And I'm I'm <laughs> I'm actually really glad that your description and mine were really close. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Me too. It's like, okay, I got it. I got it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you, um, how you do that. Like that sounds like almost like a spiritual experience. And um, I really appreciate being perceived in such a careful and, you know, and really like, meaningful manner you know and thank you for saying that you know i i do try to appreciate music on that level music to me is spiritual um i believe that i hear god or whatever higher power you believe in through a blues guitar you know that that's Mm -hmm. that's the type of music that really just touches my soul um so even no matter what kind of music it is it might be you know you know, whatever pop music top 40 is out at the time, or it could be, you know, like real deep classics like Pink Floyd or Bob Dylan or, you know, whatever they're trying, they're all trying to say something in those tracks. There's someone that's trying to get a point across, whether it's, you know, be happy, be loved, you know, that, that kind of thing, bubblegum pop, whatever, 
or if it's some sort of um, protest or something that they're really trying to say. Like Roger Waters is one of my favorite lyricists because he always has something to say. You know, people give him a you know a hard time for it a lot of times, and it, it may be something ridiculous or not, but he's got something to say, and he's mm-hmm. he's got the courage to you know sit down there in the studio and say it, whether he gets appreciated for it or not, and and that takes that takes a lot of courage. It really does. Uh, I like look up to you know so many other musicians. Um, and uh i just love like when someone's so passionate about something and i think that's all that's needed to make other people feel just as passionately about it um because that like belief that you know you have a gift that is worth sharing and um to have that resonate with other people is really powerful um i had one of my cannabis women friends tell me her 12 year old daughter looks up to me and is inspired that's awesome and she should be she should because and you're, you're just, definitely doing some great things thank you and that type of thing just touches my heart so much it's just like you know so meaningful because when i was 12 you know i had all these people i was looking up to as well so who were you looking up to when you were 12 oh goodness I loved Cat Power. Don't remember that one. Cat Power is like sad and good music. Gotta check it out. Okay. Uh, I was into some weird stuff as a 12 year old. <laughs> Have you heard of Nick Drake? Oh, yeah. His music is so sad. And oh, I yeah. Pink Moon. Oh, it wrenches your heart. Um, and River Man and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, what else? The Beatles, of course. Oh, yeah. I feel like every kid has a Beatles phase. I, um, I hope so. I really hope so. I'm praying. <laughs> so, okay, uh, who's your favorite Beatle? That's a hard question. I yeah. want to say Ringo just because wild card, but like, it, you know, it's hard. It is. It really is. And a lot of people, I think, kind of pass Ringo over because... You know, when you listen to his drumming, it's it's really simple. You know, he's not he's not Keith Moon. You know, he's Mm -hmm. not Mick Fleetwood. But, you know, I was watching there was a Hall of Fame documentary uh, on YouTube where Dave Grohl was uh, describing how Ringo Starr influenced him. And he started playing the the original beat to come together you know, which is just his, his big tom-tom and uh, the bass drum. Just that yeah. thump, thump, thump. And he's like, Ringo got people dancing with this. Yeah, you know? exactly. Just this simple beat. And listening to interviews with Ringo himself, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just carrying the song. Where mm-hmm. I speak is in my breaks. You know, those exactly. little things. And he's like, if they ask me to do another take, I'm happy to do it, but you're not going to get that same thing out of me. It mm-hmm. That's what I feel in that moment. So when you're listening to a Beatles song, when you, li- when you listen to those breaks, that's Ringo's contribution to every single song. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I think drummers are often overlooked, but mm-hmm. you're right. They carry the music, you know, they yep. keep the beat. Um, they, they're the ones that make people start dancing and, um, you know, if something's got a good beat that just really carries it that much farther. Like they used to say on American Bandstand, it's got a good beat and I can dance to it. (laughs) It's all you need. Yeah. And, um, let's see, I would say my favorite Beatle, I think the one that I honestly respect the most would have to be John Lennon. And to me, that is that comes from his passion. You know, mm-hmm. all four of them in their own way had their own passions. Um, right. But the way John Lennon and it, again, it comes down to the courage to to speak up and say something. You know, mm-hmm. John Lennon had he had his feelings and his thoughts and opinions at the times. And he wasn't afraid to say, you look, this is wrong. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And he wasn't, af- I mean, I shouldn't say he wasn't afraid. He was afraid. You know, he was on FBI watch lists and stuff like that. But he pushed through it and he decided that this message was more important than his life or his fear or. Exactly. You know, he, he saw a bigger picture than than himself. And yeah. he also saw that he and Yoko Ono, they had that that celebrity um, kind of influence behind them. So they decided that they were going to use their expression, their their microphone um, to tell the, their stories and get this right. stuff out there. And, uh, you know, you look at Paul McCartney, brilliant musician. I mm-hmm. brilliant musician. I love his music. Um, and it is like night and day from John Lennon's. Right. Cause you got, yeah, j- sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, John is just so special, you know, like it's hard to find a person that's going to like, I mean, transcend time with, um, thoughts, feelings, um, everything and a lot of people you know have mixed feelings about yoko but i'm a yoko fan um because you know without a muse he wouldn't have been as great and i get why beatles fans are you know jealous of her or whatever you know call her you know say that she broke up the beatles and i think that's just because she forced john to grow Mm -hmm. you know she's like hey let, let's take a look at it in this way. You know, it, mm-hmm. it got him thinking outside of himself and looking at a bigger picture in general. And, and I think that's that's really a big contribution into why the Beatles just split up. Um, but they, the bottom line is they, they grew up, you know, they start they yeah. started as little kids back in, you know, the, the early 60s and uh during their careers, they got married, had kids, and, you know, as people grow, they change and they grew apart, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, they just capturing that lightning in a bottle for those few years, I, I think that was amazing. And, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hello. It's joint time. Is it joint Cheers. time? Let, why, why not? Yeah. Let, let, let's take a joint break here. <laughs> I was feeling it, so... There we go. Oh, yes, that's much better. Have you seen that movie where the guy pretends like the Beatles have never existed and the guy pretends to like make all their music? I have not yet. I've wanted to see that movie so badly, but I keep you it's said- one of those is like, OK, let I should watch this. Oh, squirrel. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. It's but, random, yeah. but it's cute. And um, John's son makes an appearance he looks the spitting image uh which one julian or sean uh couldn't tell you sorry Ooh, okay well let me say older or younger Mm, i don't know (laughs) (laughs) because uh because sean is actually about my age we uh he was born around the same time i was so he'd be about mid 40s uh julian was born um, in the late 60s, so uh, he's in his uh, early to mid 50s. But they, it, it is weird you. that they both <laughs> look very much like him. Yeah, it's really special. It's like crazy to see his face. You know, I, I got a little anecdote I got to share. And, you know, if anybody falls, follows the uh, SDCC unofficial blog, I do apologize. We do know pop culture, I promise. But uh, at a Comic-Con, I want to say it was either 2017 or 2018, um, Sean Lennon and uh, um, Les Claypool, uh, the lead singer from Primus, they've been touring together and they were going to do a show at SDCC the one year. And we have a group chat where we all, you know, like talk about, you know, Comic-Con stuff, our stories, what what have you. And one of our members comes up and says, hey, uh, is Sean Lennon a big deal? And I had to read that for a second, and I'm like, okay, oh I could give a really smart-ass response, but I don't think that would be nice. 
<laughs> so I just said, uh, he's the son of John Lennon and Yoko Ono. So yeah, you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. That that person probably was like, oh, now I get you. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I'm sorry, but I had to throw some snark in there. You know, a, a question like that, somebody should know who Sean Lennon is, but... I get it. You know, not everybody's a Beatles fan. Right. Um, Another thing I watched recently was the Billie Eilish documentary on Apple TV. Yeah, I got to check that one out, too. That one. Okay. So I went from thinking that I like her music and that she's talented, but not knowing how I felt about her persona type of thing, even though she's, you know, young, I'm not trying to be too critical. Right. But um, I was kind of like neutral to like a little bit of a hater. Um, but then after watching this documentary, I did a 180 and now I love her. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, and yeah. and I have heard good things about it. I know it. I've heard that it uh, really gives you a lot of uh a lot of her background and you know why she is the way she is and i think even as you yourself from one musician to another saying you know i was kind of on the fence about her but then when i got to know her story it's now like you said you did that 180 and now it's like you you can appreciate her more i really do i'm inspired by her i um you know it's so hard just being a teenager you know in this century on its own and then throw fame onto that. Um, I really feel for her because no one understands what a mental health toll fame will take until it's upon them. And so I really, it made me feel a little bad for her because, um, you know, it's clear she's sad and, um, but at the same time, like, I really just felt like I connected with her as a person, like you said, so much more. And it was so cool to see her and her brother, you know, writing their album and their music, like in their parents' house, in their bedroom. Like, so, um, you know, it really proves that anything is possible. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, along the lines of what she said the other day. Um, and yeah, I think it's great. It makes you feel like, why not me? And that's kind of what I hope to make other people feel like as well. And you know what? I, I would honestly, I would honestly uh, recommend anybody go out and if there's a documentary on, you know, your, your favorite artist, whoever it is, go watch it because when you get to know the person behind the music that you really like a lot, it means a lot more to you. I have, I can't tell you how many Pink Floyd documentaries I've watched just because I really like the band, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, Rolling Stones, Beatles, I'm a classic rock kind of guy. That That's what my parents brought me up on. But, uh, you know, stuff like that, when you watch even just a Billy Joel documentary, it's like, yeah, okay. He's kind of yacht Rocky and whatever. But, uh, yeah, you, you see the pain that he's gone through in life, uh, you know, and the pain he's he's actually put others through. So it's like, you know, watch these documentaries and, you know, don't put your heroes up on quite so high of a pedestal because they're human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really makes you realize that everyone's just human and everyone you know, has anxiety, everyone has self-doubt, everyone, um, you know, goes through shit. And um, yeah, it it definitely um, gives you a lot of respect for these humans, you know, behind their artist personas. Exactly. They don't just become, you know, tweets on a screen, you know, they they actually become human beings. And I think, uh, I, I think if we remember that that there would be less online bullying less trolling all that kind of stuff um when were you a teenager what what decade um so i was born in 1996 i'm just gonna okay okay (laughs) gonna say it you know what so i i was born in 1976 
Nice. So, we got the sixes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, there's a big, huge difference in what yeah. we had going on in my teenage years, which were, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. Right. And then your teenage years, which were obviously 20 years later from that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I didn't have the internet. I didn't have social media, you know? Yeah. We got away with a lot of shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Watch the documentary Class Action Park. That That's my teenage years. Okay, send me that link. I'll watch it. It's on HBO Max, and it is... Oh, cool. It, it, it literally is, because I grew up in that area. I remember seeing commercials uh, for Action Park. And yeah. um, it... it we were coming of age just when technology was becoming really relevant. You know, right. we went from the industrial age where it was all steel and, you know, building and stuff like that, really turning it into a technological age. Um, yeah. You know, Billy Joel's Allentown is where I grew up. I watched Bethlehem Steel, the biggest steel mill in the entire world, die because of it. You grew up in Allentown? I did. I'm from Pennsylvania. No I'm from kidding. Bucks County. I'm from New Hope. I'm from Northampton. Amazing. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I grew up in the shadow of uh, Bethlehem Steel, Atlas Cement. You know, mm-hmm. you listen to Allentown. That, that, was our, that was our anthem for the 80s. Awesome. But uh, we, we, had, we had camcorders. We had videotape. But we didn't have the internet to put that stuff out on, you know, mm-hmm. by the, by the time the internet rolled around and became big, you know, I was already in college. So we, we were kind of getting out of, of that sort of thing. And then, um, further on down the road, when social media came, came around, I was in my early twenties, mid twenties. So it's like, eh, I know better than to right. put that online. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think for me, like, um, I was probably in middle school when social media was becoming, like, big. And, um, yeah, so, like, when I was really little, you know, we I still grew up with VHSs, you know. Yep. I had one of those gigantic computers in my kitchen that was, like, that long. <laughs> yep. Um, and I played computer games that was very fun to me when I was a really little kid. Um, and, uh, like, Minesweeper and random stuff like that that just comes on your computer. Oh, yeah. Those were, like, classics. Um, and then, so when I was in middle school, I would say social media became big. Um, my sister's friend convinced me to get a Facebook account. So I've had it since then. Um, but I was going to say like a staggering statistic. Well, I'm not sure the exact figures, but since Facebook went on mobile in like 2010, um, teen suicide rates have just gone up and up and up and up. I I definitely uh, believe it because our daughter is, uh, she's 21. So she about to be 22. So she, uh, she basically went through the same thing and we watched her and we, we commented on, Oh my God, you know how vulnerable people are, you know, not just kids, you know, but having kids being this vulnerable, when, when yeah. I was when I was little, if I was getting bullied, I could go home. Exactly. And they weren't there. You know, they right. they, they could call my phone, but I could take my phone off the hook. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we could we could disconnect. We could go home. We had a haven. Yeah. But now there's nothing. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The bullying and then also like just the sheer you know, mental effects of just being on your phone and computer for so many hours of the day. Like this, this is normal now, especially during COVID, but it was not normal, you know, um, when I was growing up and when you were growing up. And I feel like that was just such a wholesome, nice way to like, to be. And now, you know, after several days in a row of spending 
whatever, seven hours on my phone a day. Yep. Um, it just makes you feel like so drained and this sort of mental emptiness that's hard to even describe. Um, and it makes you really realize like we have the need as humans to disconnect and to go outside or whatever, you know, self-care thing helps you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it sounds hypocritical because, okay, here we are promoting your latest single and I'm encouraging people to listen to this podcast online and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, seriously, get away from it. moderation guys, seriously, get, mm-hmm. put the phone down, put the uh, iPad down, whatever, and, you know, talk to somebody. But they've created, you know, these things to be addictive. Mm-hmm. For example, when you scroll down and new pictures pop up on Instagram at the top, they literally program that to act like a slot machine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's really, um, we've got to also be kind to ourselves about our use because it's like, you know, we're in a giant experiment that involves the whole world. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, this was made to be addictive. It was made to collect our data and sell it, um, and it, keep us on it as long as possible and longer and longer over time. So it's just kind of like happened, but now we've got to grapple with it and think about, you know, how do we balance this? I keep thinking of that old Star Trek The Next Generation episode where they've got that addictive game. You know, this this headset that you put on over your eyes and, you know, the more the more you win, the the better it makes you feel. It it releases, you know, endorphins and stuff like that. And as as Wesley Crusher tries to resist it, it actually wins for him because it wants him to win. It wants him to, you know, keep going and going and never stop. And, you know, that that's exactly what we're, we've been talking about. You know, exactly. It's the dopamine hits mm-hmm. constantly. And then that gets depleted and you feel like you have, you know, you have to keep re-upping that yep. as well as, you know, I've not, I haven't seen that episode but it sounds very scarily like what's happening and beyond even now like the future um my producer is really into technology and so he's part of all these different forums where they discuss you know what's the future the future is you know not only vr not only like glasses like snapchat came out with back Mm -hmm. in like 2015 or 16 um but contact lenses, chips that go in your arm, you know, things that we already don't know, like what it's doing to us. Yeah. And, and we're holding it in our hand and like not only radiation, but like, you know, the addictiveness. And so when this stuff is connected to people's bodies, like that's going to be a whole nother level of scary. Now, you mentioned your producer. You're still working with uh, Bitsumishi, correct? Yes, correct. Uh, Yeah, tell me about how that went on on this track. Um, You know, we were in New York a few years ago um, in the studio for several hours, as I had mentioned. And, you know, the song really just evolved from one thing to another. Um, I originally had a song... um, that I won't name, that I wanted to make a song that sounded like that. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how the track began. Um, But it evolved a lot from that. And, um, you know, it just takes inspiration. And um, uh, the collaborative process was really cool because, um, you know, I'm just going in a little booth, like singing along to it several times and um 
And then I come out and chill and like we smoke in the stairwell and come back and he puts the coolest effects on and it sounds a million times better than it did (laughs) to begin with. (laughs) Um, No shade about that at all. Um, And, you know, it, he really just like any, we have very similar like aesthetics. We both love like the vaporwave, the futurism, um, things like that. So it's easy to just gel. But anything that's an idea that I have, I can just like describe it. And the collaborative process just like happens. And he's just so talented at all of the technical aspects, but also the creative side of making the music so it really just evolved and he made it sound more whimsical more ethereal like oh yeah um, i can definitely hear that in there and so yeah it's it's really great working with him and i'm excited for what we have uh happening in the future my next single i'm not sure if it'll come out in you know two or three months some sometime around there and um it's called out till dawn out till Um, dawn yeah so it it sounds like it sounds like you're continuing with that trixie ray gun motif you know because yeah you you, you, now you you've got this story of this this uh individual that uh is, t- is taking you places and now you're saying you're out till dawn okay you're so smart you really hey. you you like you get me oh oh now stop you're gonna make my head a little you, my headphones still have to fit okay <laughs> <laughs> um i you know sunday and then trixie reagan and out till dawn the three actually do go together as a story And um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get, you know, a nine minute visual video for that, but I do have ideas. Um, I know I'll have a music video for Out Till Dawn, um, but my original idea was to have the three definitely go together. They're all a very similar vibe and it's kind of a story that's a progression. All right. A trilogy. I like that. You figured it out. I didn't even have to <laughs> say it at all. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I didn't I didn't put the connection to Sunday in there un- until you mentioned it. And now, okay, going back to think about it, I see the progression from Sunday Sunday to Trixie Ray Gun and then I can't wait to hear the next chapter. Guess what? It's the song I think is the best out of everything yet. And All right. I'm really pumped about Out Till Dawn. Uh, I cannot wait for that one to come out. So I I will be keeping an eye on everything for the next uh, two to three months. Thank you. Yeah, I'll I'll let you know. Um, I've got to make a video. Yes, yes, definitely. And uh, so tell me where we can find uh, Trixie Raygun right now. Yeah, so it's out on, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Deezer, YouTube, uh, and more. You know, you can find it on TikTok and make a TikTok with it. It's on Instagram stories and reels. So you can find it a lot of places and uh, make your own smoking videos to it or whatever you want. Ooh, yeah, maybe you should hold a contest. That would be a really good idea, you know? That's that's I'm going to keep that in mind. Maybe maybe that could be part of the uh, Out Till Dawn video. I don't know. You know, that that makes a lot of sense or at least the launch. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Ooh. So definitely, you know, look for Trixie Ray Gun, Like she said, on Spotify, definitely on TikTok. I, I want to see some TikTok videos. Th- those would be th- they got to be fun. Yeah, I've had some, you know, random TikTokers find like my version of the moon song and make really beautiful videos. And I just search the sound and then randomly discover, you know, someone using it. And it's really fun. That's got to feel great. I, I love that. That's awesome. It is. So now where can we find you online? Um, Instagram at Scarlet Dream Official. Scarlet's with two T's. 
Um, and I have another Instagram account called Scar Smokes as well. Um, and on those Instagrams, I also have a link tree with, you know, the Spotify's, my blog, uh, my record label, Almond Butter Records website and things like that. Um, I also have a Facebook page that's called Scarlet Dream. And yeah, that's about it right now. So basically, if they go to the socials and they search uh, Scarlet Dream with two T's, they're going to find you, right? Yep. And yeah, definitely. If you go to Spotify, I can definitely tell you that if you put in Scarlet Dream, you're going to find her singles. And I highly encourage everybody listening to this podcast to do that right now. Seriously, stop this podcast, go back to the homepage and search for Scarlet Dream because you're going to thank me. Put her on on whatever sesh playlist you got because she's gonna take you there. She is between between your your chronic and her music. She's gonna take you there. I promise. What a call to action! I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back. I really do appreciate this, and I love the new single. I cannot wait to hear out till dawn. Thank you so much. You're so kind. I always love chatting and chilling with you. And um, I can't wait to come back next time and talk about that that new song. Yes, we will definitely have you back on. So until then, I, I want to say thanks, everybody, for listening and stay lifted. Well, that just about wraps up another episode of Cannabloggers Corner on the You Podcast Network. Once again, a deep thank you to Scarlet Dream for sitting down and chatting with us about uh, her latest single, Trixie Ray Gun, and, uh, you know, aliens and stuff. Also, once again, thank you to Chris Cantori and his You Podcast Network for, once again, giving us this platform. Make sure you check out the, uh, the show notes and find Trixie Ray Gun and all of Scarlet's singles online. Listen to them, download them, put them on your sesh playlist. You're not going to regret it. Until next week, this is Andy Canna Blogger saying peace out and stay lifted.